This is The Rounds Table. Uh, welcome back, Rounds Table listeners. Uh, here is the second part in my conversation with Dr. Yatin Chada. Hope you enjoy. So then let's talk about kind of like uh, investing 101. You know, like, should we just be putting our cash under our mattress or should we be <laughs> doing something else with our money? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I think what I'll say from here on will apply to physicians who are incorporated and also to physicians who who aren't incorporated. So a, a bit of kind of investing 101. So what what is investing? Investing is basically setting money aside today uh, so that you can allow this money to grow. And, and this will allow you to live your lifestyle in, in the future. Uh, that That's essentially what investing is. So kind of how do you do it? Well, the only way to be able to invest is if you're spending less than you earn. So uh, you, you have to figure out what's important to you in life. Where are you going to spend your money? Then hopefully at the end of the day, after all that, you will be saving money at the end of the day. For, for most people, I think, listening to the podcast, they probably have a a pretty long time frame ahead of them. You probably don't want to stash that under your mattress and you want to start to in- invest that. Most people, when they're starting off investing, they will start investing in things that are more liquid, which means that you can get your money in and you can get your money out in a pretty short time frame. So that includes things like stocks. That includes things like ETFs. So an ETF is an exchange-traded fund. And all that is, that is a basket of hundreds or thousands of different stocks or bonds that you can invest in all of those things just with a few clicks. Um, Other liquid investments include uh, GIC, so Guaranteed Investment Certificates. And you can do all this through your bank using your bank's online trading platform. Although I don't like the word trading, they call it that. I like it. I like to call it an investment platform because most doctors, myself included, we don't have time to to day trade. And I certainly don't advocate for that. I advocate for being patient and playing the long game. So you can invest through your bank's online investment platform, or you can invest through other online options like Wealthsimple or Questrade, which are becoming very, very popular. So that's kind of in investing in, in a nutshell. Um, the, the one thing I'll just touch on quickly because people ask about it is, especially residents, well, do I invest now or do I wait until my debt is paid off? And, and this is a, a very, very popular question. And for me, the right answer, it's its an individual one. When we had low interest rates, I think people were feeling a bit more comfortable uh, investing and prolonging the time in which they pay down their debt. But today, I would say, I, if it was me, I would prioritize paying down the debt first because it's just like my mortgage. I, I elect to speed up my mortgage payments in today's environment because my mortgage rate, it's a variable rate, it's very high. And that's a rate of return that I have in my control. So I would advocate paying down your debt first, and then I would advocate investing. And, you know, Mike, the one point I really want to drive home is even if you can set aside, like, as a resident, $50, $100 a month, and you start investing early, I can go over some examples later, but if you start early and you enjoy the benefit of compound interest over time, it could take you a long, long way. And and we can go over some examples later, but... um, that's what I'll start off with on the investing piece. And then I'll let you ask questions. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And and I agree, you know, like if we were to rewind a couple years back when uh, interest rates were like 
I don't know, like near zero. It was like money was free, <laughs> kind of. Um, so I thought of it as like, um, as long as I think my investments are out going to perform this whatever percentage and a half, I, I had a, a little bit less fears. Whereas now I also have a variable interest rate. For me, it's like I am prioritizing paying down my mortgage or for residents, paying down your debt because that interest rate it's like guaranteed, you know, you're going to have to pay that 100%, rate, 100%, right? Our investments are never guaranteed, maybe with a couple tiny exceptions to that. So that resonates well with me. And again, this idea of like ETFs, uh, I really like that as well. I predominantly use Wealth Simple because it's so easy um, and um, the fees are really quite small. But um, but anyway, yeah. So why don't you walk through a couple of examples then and we can sort of highlight this further. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of investing, let's say you're a resident and, and I'll use numbers here that are simple numbers, but let's say you start investing at age 25 and let's say you're able to set aside $6,000 per year and you're able to invest that annually starting at age 25 and you have a 40-year time frame until you're 65 and you allow that money to compound and that money is going to grow at a moderate rate at six and a half percent a year for 40 years. Well, just by those small actions that you took early at age 25, the $6,000 you're putting in annually, that's gonna leave you with a nest egg of over 1.1 million, which sounds amazing, right? But let's say you waited, let's say you didn't start when you were 25 and you waited until you were 35. I waited until I was 34 because I found like training kept on going and I just I just wasn't able to wrap my head around these concepts earlier. But let's say you delayed it by 10 years. You waited until you were 35. You did the same thing. $6,000 a year annually compounding at 6.5% up until you're 65. Now you're left with a 30-year runway. You're left with $558,000. So about half. So the person who waited 10 years to reach that $1.1 million nest egg later on instead of putting in $6,000, they would have to put in $13,500 a year. So just by starting early and taking small steps, uh, the right steps early can have a drastic, drastic impact on, on your financial future. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And it's even more important for physicians because we don't have a pension. <laughs> the vast majority of us, uh, you know, we are um, billing fee for service. We don't have a pension, so it's really important for us that we're setting this money aside uh, in the form of an investment, so that you know we're not at age seventy and like, oh man, I need to keep working for another ten years. Mike, you raise a really good point. The one thing I will just kind of mention to the audience: there are these products that are they're called pension plans for people who are incorporated. These are complicated. I myself, I'm not enrolled in one. And 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 the simple kind of answer to that is, because people may have heard of these and say, well, I'm a physician. Maybe, maybe there are pension options available. They There are if you're incorporated, um, but but there are upfront costs. There is upfront complexity. And and I, I later on in my life, I, I may potentially be a believer in these things. But for right now, I'm opting for doing simple things early and um it's something that i may look into to later on but for anyone who's wanting to like do a deep dive I, i've covered a few of these things on beyond md this is just for uh flavorful complete discussion cool okay so then i'll, I'll definitely have to um, give that episode a listen I, I haven't heard that one yet um yeah and then i guess there's also different sort of like i guess there's terminology that can get confusing 
So TFSA versus RRSP versus GIC. Do you want to sort of explain what those um, what they mean? Absolutely. Let me start with uh, GIC. So a GIC is a guaranteed investment uh, certificate. This is one of the few things in personal finance that is guaranteed. So essentially what you do here is you, the investor, will loan money to a bank or a credit union, and they basically will promise to give you back your original investment plus a certain amount of interest. And these types of investments are protected in Canada up to $100,000 per investor per financial institution. So I could put in $100,000 into a GIC with BMO, with TD, with CIBC. And I don't I don't get paid by any of these banks, just examples, but $100,000 per investor per financial institution will be protected in Canada. So if any of these institutions were to go belly up, your, your money would be safe up to $100,000 uh, per site. So that that's a GIC. So it is an example of a fixed income type of investment. It's different than a stock. And GICs are even different than bonds because bonds can still fluctuate in, in price. So that's GIC. And, and please ask questions at any point. I'll go over some of these other terms that you brought up. So an RRSP is a registered retirement savings plan. And it is... Uh, in all of these accounts that I'm about to talk about, they are all tax sheltered accounts. And I consider each of them buckets. So you put money into this bucket, but instead of leaving this bucket with the bank and just earning a low amount of interest, what you should be putting in this bucket is things like stocks, bonds, ETFs, because that will allow your money to grow more. So an RRSP, uh, it's been around for many, many decades, and it allows you to contribute up to 18% of your income to a certain ceiling. And that ceiling in 2023 is just a hair over $30,000. And when you contribute to the RRSP, you yourself get a tax deduction. So let's say a doctor was contributing to an RRSP and let's say they contributed $30,000. Well, they would get a tax deduction at the top marginal rate, which is give or take 50%. So you would get a $15,000 uh, uh, tax return uh, from the CRA on, on your T1. Now the RRSP... It's not the most flexible, but I, I still do endorse them and I have one myself. So uh, basically, whenever you pull money out of it from an RRSP, whether that's now or later in life, you will be taxed on that withdrawal uh, at your marginal rate. And if you withdraw that money early, you can no longer contribute that money back to the RRSP. You lose that contribution room. The RRSP also has two interesting plans built within it. So it's the first home buyer's plan. And so that allows somebody to pull out $35,000 from the RSP tax-free if it's going to be used to purchase their first home. And then they have the lifelong learning plan where somebody can pull out $20,000 for themselves or their spouse, not for their kid's university education, tax-free uh, for the purpose of lifelong learning and ongoing education for both the home buyer's plan and lifelong learning plan. You, you have to put this money back into the RSP within 15 years, otherwise you will be taxed on it. And then the other thing that's really interesting, uh, I think it's very applicable to the audience, is a spousal RRSP. So this is an RRSP where, let's say, in the household, there's somebody who earns higher income and there's somebody who earns lower income. Then it can be a good idea sometimes for the higher earning spouse to actually contribute to a spousal RRSP on behalf of their spouse. 
So the higher earning spouse kind of gets the tax deduction. They have to have the contribution room. And then the spouse who has a lower income, they can pull out the money later and get taxed at their lower rate. The other thing I will kind of mention for residents, if you're contributing to an RRSP now, you don't have to actually get the tax deductions now. You can wait several years and you can actually start to get those tax deductions later on when you're staff, when you'll be at a higher marginal rate. So it's something to think about. So that's the RRSP. And then when you're 71, 72, it turns into a RIF, a registered retirement income fund. And at that point, you have to take out a certain amount from the from that fund every year that's going to be taxed. That's the RRSP in a nutshell. Um, do you want me to talk about the TFSA as well? It's shorter. I know that was a lot. Yeah, 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 go, yeah, go yeah, for yeah. it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so the TFSA is the tax-free savings account. It's a very flexible account. Uh, if you have never contributed to one today, you're able to contribute $88,000 today. But if you've been contributing every year, you're allowed to put in $6,500 per year. This is post-tax income. So this is already money that I've been taxed on that I will put into a TFSA. And again, I would invest this in stocks, ETFs, bonds. I don't get a tax deduction for putting the money in, but it's a very flexible account. If a need comes up and I need to pull money out, that withdrawal, I'm not taxed on it. And next year, I can put that money back into the TFSA. So that's the TFSA in a nutshell, super flexible. And then for people who have kids, there's the RESP. All you need is for your kids to have a social insurance number, and then you can contribute up to $50,000 per child. You usually do this gradually. And for every $2,500 you put in, uh, basically the government will give you $500 per child up to a max of $7,200 per child over the lifetime of the plan. And then the kids will uh, get taxed in the money uh, once they're pulling it out in their post-secondary years. And if they don't want to pursue an education, then they can actually transfer some of that into their own RRSP. So that's those are the kind of the registered accounts in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, that's super helpful. And so um, let me attempt to summarize it and you you let me know if I've gotten this right or wrong, okay? Um, so a GIC, this is guaranteed, all right? It, let's say right now you have a GIC for 10,000 bucks you wanna invest and right now the interest rate is guaranteed at 5%. Guess what? You're gonna get that 5%, but that's now taxable income. You gotta pay taxes on that money you just made. Yes. Um, next up is RRSP. With RRSP, the main gain from an RSP standpoint is that it reduces your taxable income. So if you invest 30,000 bucks and you make $500,000, your taxable income is now $470,000, right? There's a clear bonus for you. And then any money made within that RSP, again, you're not getting taxed on that investment. And then there's a the home buyer's plan and the lifelong learning plan. I just learned about that. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take advantage of that. Yeah. For somebody like you, Mike, who's always learning, like it could be very useful. Cool. Yeah. And then with a TFSA, a TFSA is kind of like the RRSP. However, it doesn't reduce your taxable income. The TFSA, however, any money you make within that TFSA does not get taxed. Is that about right? Yeah. 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 These are all tax sheltered. All of them, whatever grows in them, will not be taxed. And on the RSP, you get taxed later in life when you withdraw money. And when you withdraw money later in life, you're hoping maybe you'll be at a lower tax rate. You never know. Yes. And then, like you said, these are sort of like buckets. So in your RSP bucket, what do you actually want to invest in? I don't know. Maybe you want to invest in Tesla, an individual stock. Maybe instead you want to invest in an entire market. We call that an 
ETF. You can pick what is in your RSP bucket, just like how you can pick what is in your TFSA bucket. Is that about right? 100%. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Well, I learned something new today. I'm certain the listeners did as well. Um, we're, we're running out of time. Are there any sort of final tips, pearls you wanted to share that maybe we haven't had time to cover today? You know what? Yeah. Just, just remember, we talked a lot about investing today. Uh, I would urge the listeners to just remember investing is just a part of your financial journey. I know it gets a lot of attention, but remember at the end of the day, if you're not saving any money, like you won't have anything to invest. So what I always encourage people to do is live life and spend in life according to your core values. Take time to figure out what those core values are so that you're living a fulfilling life. And when it comes to investing, remember the things that are in your control. So we talked about controlling your spending. We talked about the importance of starting investing early and the impact that that has. Uh, you and I have both mentioned ETFs as a very good tool because they're diversified. They are low cost. And when you reduce the cost of your investments, like you compare an ETF to a mutual fund, um, the ETF is going to outperform just because the fees in that ETF are so much lower than the mutual fund. So keep your costs low and be patient and play the long game. So I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that for the listeners. Yeah, that, that sounds great. And again, the other thing is that is do not stuff your cash under a mattress. That is not an effective way to invest. Uh, exactly. Um, I can quote you on that. And I think because the last concept that sometimes people don't realize is they think, well, why don't I just keep all of my money in a savings account? That way I can't lose the money. My investments can't do poorly. But of course there's this pesky thing called inflation, oh, which yeah. means you are <laughs> losing money. It just doesn't look like you're losing money. Yeah. So no conversation today is complete without talking about inflation, but that that's the the honest truth. I mean, when you when you look at how expensive life is today, like I, I just recently I, I put in an order um, at a Mediterranean restaurant because I like Mediterranean food for myself and some people at the hospital and three wraps and a delivery fee were like 70 bucks. So when you think about that and you think about how inflation is going to be present every year, yeah, you, you have to set your money aside so that it's generating a reasonable amount of return so that you can keep up. And uh, the other thing I will urge listeners to learn about are, are things like dividends. Like we talked about stocks and how you make money on a stock. Well, the, the share price of that stock will go up, but then there are some very reputable companies that have pay, been paying dividends for 50 years or more. And, and so those dividends for good companies can grow at or higher than the rate of inflation. It's just something else to learn about. Okay, we're going to need to have you back for um, investing 2.0 by, <laughs> by the sounds of it. Well, uh, Yatin Singh, thanks so much for uh, uh, joining the rounds table today. It's been a pleasure to chat with you. And then just remind the listeners, um, where can they find your podcast? Yeah, thanks for that, Mike. So anywhere you listen to podcasts, so on Apple, on Spotify, on Google, and uh, you can just search Beyond MD uh, or put in my first name and it should come up. And uh, yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoy the content. And, and Mike, thanks again for, for having me on the show. And, and congratulations also on your show's success and on the impact that uh, and value that you're, you're creating for your listeners as well. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great day and let's chat again soon. The Rounds Table is hosted online at healthydebate.ca. Follow us on Twitter at Rounds Table. Thanks to our audio editors, Emilio Garcia Flores and Arjun Sharma. Also thanks to Amol Verma, founder of The Rounds Table, and Kieran Quinn, the previous director. We'd also like to give a big thanks to Seema Marwaha, editor-in-chief at Healthy Debate, for all the support.